Are you longing for real life change and lasting impact? Here at More to Be, we believe that is possible through a fresh encounter with God and His Word. I'm Angela Sackett. And I'm Lisa Pulliam. And together, we want to help you think biblically and live transformed. To be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in His work every day. We are so excited about today's episode, Unblinded Faith. We're going to be talking about the new book that's coming out that Lisa has written. And Lisa, I'm just going to say, give it, take it, tell us all about it. (laughs) Take it away. I am so excited about this book. It's called Unblinded Faith, Gaining Spiritual Sight Through Believing God's Word. And it is a 90-day devotional for women in every season and stage of life. The idea of this book is to meet us right where we are and help us think about the the best parts of Scripture and the most difficult parts of Scripture and consider how we can apply it to everyday life. Mm, I've been loving it. I have been kind of digging in a little bit, and the questions are practical. They're real questions that we all, the, the issues that we all wrestle with, but they take us right into the Word to find our answers, and I'm I've been loving it. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a neat story how how this book came to be. So uh, many of our listeners may know that I had written a book called Meet the New You. And that was it. It's a 21-day journey, which really can take you 21 years of embracing fresh attitudes and focused habits that lead to real life change. It's really all about the biblical principles and learning how to apply scripture to our everyday thinking and everyday living. So after I wrote that book, I thought, Mm, I wonder what I'll do next. Maybe I'll get to do a devotional. And my agent and I were in that process of pitching some proposals and combination of not the right timing, not the right content that kind of just fizzled away. And I, I remember saying to the Lord, and it was about maybe a year and a half after Meet the New You came out, God, if I could ever write another book, I really do think I want to write a devotional. I just want to spend time looking at your scripture in context and writing about it. I want the scripture to teach the story, not the story to find the scripture. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, just kind of leave that up there and pass, you know, you move on. I did say, and if I could do it for Harvest House, I would love that because I just love Harvest House publishers. I love the content that they put out. I love their mission, their purpose, the way they function as a publishing house. So lo and behold, my agent came to me in February of 2000 in, what year are we in now? 2018. (laughs) So she came to me in February 2017 and said, I have an opportunity for you. Uh, There's a need at Harvest House for a devotional to be written within a really short period of time. Would you be interested? Here's the topic idea. So it was great. It It was supposed to be called Begin With Yes. 90 days of believing God's word. I said, that's exactly what I had been you know, telling the Lord. If I could write another book, that would be what I would want to do. The whole contract proposal process was done in three weeks. And I started writing this book. And it wasn't until after the manuscript was turned in that summer. So I had less than six months to write these 90 devotionals. And I thought, how, what, where? And I thought, God, I'm going to just lay before you what it is that you would have me write about. And and Lord, I am not interested in only picking the scripture verses that we put on coffee mugs and printables. Love that. Can we, can we, yeah. Can we go to the hard places of scripture 
and be willing to ask ourselves the questions even if we don't find the answers that we're looking for. So the, the latter part of the story is that I wrote the book under that premise and that begin with yes mindset was, uh, was I agree with your word, God. I'm starting each day in your word saying yes to your word. Well, lo and behold, as the promotional process started, uh, there was somebody else who uses that expression begin with yes for their platform and their books in the secular market and uh, threatened legal action if we didn't change the name of the book. Well, that's a way to get your answer. <laughs> oh, so I, I was like, oh my word. I mean, that's the last thing you ever want to receive is a, is a message telling you that they're going to sue you. And I'm like, God, what are we going to do? And fortunately my, my publishing house was just awesome. And they said, Hey, we're not going to even go down this road. Let's change the title. And they gave me the opportunity to pitch some ideas. So I literally sat at my desk here opened my Bible, went to the Lord and said, I need a title. Would you please give it to me? And I had been spending a lot of time in Second Corinthians throughout that season. And there's this particular passage in Second Corinthians chapter 4, and we're going to read all of chapter 4, that the expression unblinded faith came from. Mm. And that's how we landed on the new title of the book, which completely matched everything I had already written. I mean, I had said to the publishers, I'm like, I'm going to have to go back in and like edit this manuscript to fit this new title. Didn't need to make any changes except title change. Like mm-hmm. it was already the content perfectly fit with this passage. And God continually impresses on my heart this mission to live with unblinded faith, which I will unpack as we read through this passage. Well, let's here. read so it. Wanna... Yes, let's read yeah. 2 Corinthians 4. And this is New Living Translation. Therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God and all who are honest know this. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus, so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All this is for your benefit. 
And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we now see will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Oh, girl, amen. I needed that. <laughs> I know. I know. It is such a powerful passage because it, it talks about the both and, mm-hmm. the, the life of suffering, the life of joy, the life of you know, fading away here and the life of eternal promise that we have yet to come. And we, we can't really appreciate what's coming in eternity if we don't understand and em- embrace the reality of our suffering here. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? I do. And, you know, I, the other thing I see, which I think is exactly what Unblinded Faith will do and what we try to do here on the podcast is the writer here sets an example for us, sets a model for us of we believe with the same faith that the psalmist had. And I, I, uh, our listeners can't see your face, but as we record, I can see you nodding your head. <laughs> yes, amen. Yes. When we look back and we see what God has done, we remember yes. who he is and that. It removes the blinders is where you're going, I it, think. <laughs> right, right. And we've talked about that, you know, in terms of that importance of the mentoring relationship and the, the passing down the stories of God faith, God's faithfulness to the next generation. Well, it's not just us to to the next generation passing that story. It's the psalmist passing that story first to us. Mm-hmm. And so we don't know the psalmist's story if we don't read the word of God. Which is why this idea of unblinded faith is, yes, we can have faith that Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. We can have faith that the sky is blue because God made it blue or, or the biology and the science that we know about the sky. I don't, right? You know, I'm not a scientific person, so that, that wouldn't be a great metaphor for me. But, but to have unblinded faith is to say, I want to look at what the word has to say is true and move according to the scriptures that I'm not just kind of absentmindedly walking through my faith and walking, walking through my life without thinking about the things that I cannot see. Mm-hmm. And so when it, um, this was what really struck me when I, when I first read this passage and went back to this passage again, uh, Satan, who is the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. So that was very freeing to me in some regard that, it's not my job to unblind people. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a force at work, and we know that force, and that's Satan. And Jesus talks about John. It, it, Jesus talks about Satan in the book of John. I believe it's chapter eight, where he describes Satan as the father of lies and the deceivers and the one who orchestrates the work of evil in our world. And so there's this very real tension between Satan, who is the God of this world, and Jesus, who is the the God of our hearts mm-hmm. and, and the promise of eternity. And so are we going to live like those in this world who don't believe that Jesus is who he says he is and that God indeed 
appointed him as the Messiah and the fulfillment of the prophecies that the psalmist writes about in the in the Old Testament. Well, and there's almost an unspoken assumption and promise that we can hold on to in that if Satan has blinded those who do not believe, who are not in Christ, we can, I think, rightly assume, but he has unblinded us. He has made a way and by the power of his Holy Spirit will remove those blinders, will open our eyes to see as we yield right. to him to do that. Right, right. And as soon as you begin looking at scriptures through that lens mm-hmm. of blind and unblind uh, and light and darkness and truth and lies, you'll you'll start finding that the scriptures talk about this all the time. Mm-hmm. Jesus is constantly, I mean, there are subject headings throughout the gospels that talk about those who are blind and those who are not. And so how do we become women who say, I want to read the scriptures for myself and digest them for myself and choose to live according to the conviction and the work of the Holy Spirit on my heart and my Mm -hmm. mind with a faith that I think the end result is the the kind of faith that uh, is unshakable. Mm -hmm. Not Uh, not determined by our circumstances, but determined by his faithfulness. Right. Completely determined by his faithfulness. So part of the reason it was actually hard for me to write a devotional was that my concern, my great fear is that the devotional becomes that woman's quiet time. Mm -hmm. And I do not want my readers to have me as the Holy Spirit Mm. or their God through the words I write. And so, uh, part of my focus and setup of the structure of the devotional was that Each devotion starts with a key verse, which is pretty typical, but that I open each devotional with a couple questions. And and really, that was my coaching bent. I always lead with a question anyways. So that was pretty easy to do, to ask a question that was specifically related to the verse on the page. Mm -hmm. Then from that set of questions, which is, you know, couched within the devotional, some sort of story application. And sometimes it's my story. So I have laced my um, salvation, transformation, sanctification story throughout the whole book, but it's not my autobiography. (laughs) Uh, And and sometimes it's stories that I've learned through life experiences or working with with clients and the lessons that they have brought to, to my experience to help me see God in a, in a new and fresh way. And sometimes it's just looking at the characters in the Bible of what are they learning and how are they applying what, what God was impressing upon their hearts. And then the devotion ends with uh, three really important pieces. One, it's the context of which to open your Bible and read this key scripture verse within a set of scriptures. So in some cases, it's a whole chapter. If it's a really long chapter of scripture, I shortened it to the segment that would be relevant. But to open your Bible, to go read those scripture verses, and then um, there's a scripture prayer. So the actual words that I have crafted as a prayer are the scriptures turned into Mm. a prayer. Because my hope is that that will create a model for how to have a quiet time with the Lord study the scripture, and pray the scriptures back to the Lord. Uh, And then there's an application question, which you had mentioned earlier. And that application question is, the motivation of that is, how are you going to take this word and put it into action? 
So I've created a journal um, because I love journals to go alongside with the book. It's available in paperback and it's also available in a PDF version. So you can print it and put it in a binder. It's really whichever way is the easiest and most effective way. But the idea is to make this an active time. Mm-hmm. And and I, my hope is that it won't just be um, Bible reading on a phone, even though I use my phone on Sunday mornings to read scriptures at church, but to, to get a physical Bible and a pencil and gel highlighters and, <laughs> and engage with the word and then journal, uh, whether you're answering the questions in the journal or if you're using that to turn your own scripture prayers out, however you want to use that space, each of the pages in the journal includes the key scripture verse and the and a quote mm-hmm. from that passage. I love that. And I want to refer just briefly back to something that you said earlier about, you know, you give a key verse, but then your goal is for people to go in and immerse themselves in the word. And those that know me in real life know that I'm pretty feisty about that. Um, as women, we do not want to become the, um, the go-to, the all that, you know, some, someone may listen to. And as the scripture says, be always learning, but never really knowing, never really understanding. Um, and Mm -hmm. so I love that that is your heart behind this is to really kind of create an opening, create a vehicle that each woman who reads can go deeper with the Lord on her own. That's powerful. I'm thankful for that. Yeah. And it it was the only way I could do it with integrity Mm -hmm. because, my and I say it in the opening chapter that my hope and prayer is that uh, no one will remember me or my words, but they will walk away with a fresh encounter with God and His Word. Because that may sound familiar to our listeners. <laughs> I know, I know that is my passion, right? A fresh encounter with God and His Word, and that's our passion um, to think biblically and live transformed. I mean, that's why we're doing this podcast. Is that. We think there's value for us sharing our stories and to offer kind of that psalmist uh, perspective. I believe in God, so I spoke. We believe in God, so we're speaking the stories of his faithfulness. But that that I, we don't want anybody to believe in us. We want people to believe that the word of God is true. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this is even what Paul is saying here, that he... Um, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. So he says this in verse five, we preach that Jesus Christ is Lord and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus sake. I think you and I can say that's how we see this podcast yeah. is that we we're his servants. And then um, in verse six, it says, for God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so we can know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus. Mm. And I love how it has uh, this idea of light, like, okay, we can put that on a coffee mug. (laughs) The light of Christ (laughs) is shining in us. We have this light shining in our hearts. We ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. And I don't know if you've ever seen this illustration before, but uh, it was very powerful to me to to this woman who was speaking. She had this clay jar in front of her and it was cracked. And the light was in the jar, cracked. And so what happens with cracks is the light shines out. Wow. And if you put that in a dark room, the, oh, the way the light dances all over the place. That's awesome. Right? Right? So this, we are these fragile jars containing this great treasure, which is the light of Christ. 
And it is clearly uh, not an accident that this world is called dark. And so I just thought maybe for a few minutes we could kind of talk a little bit about our cracks. What do you think? (laughs) I love it. I love it. Right? I mean, I know I'm catching you off guard on that, but I think that's part of that's part of the journey is that there are these cracks, but that's where Jesus can come in and shine. And the idea that we need to be a ceramic clay jar or vessel that is completely put together mm-hmm. or that it is glued back so well you don't see that there was any crack in the first place. It's just not realistic. Well, and you know, there's no need for a potter if we've all got it together, if we are perfect, you know, you don't, yeah. that's something that I love about handmade pottery too. I don't, you're probably the same way. I love to go into a, a yes. place where someone has made something with their hands. You yes. feel like you know something about the maker when you pick up that mug that's got a little bit of a nub over here and irregularity or the glazing is a little bit different. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that's moving on from cracks, but that idea that the imperfection is what shows the mark of the maker. Um, And then I love, you know, what you're saying too. And it's very freeing, I think for us as women, because the, the world right now is all about the perfection, about Mm -hmm. the, the image on the outside polish, you know, and the, the perfection really. And to know that's not what God asks for from us. And not only that, but that's not what the world needs from us. They need the authenticity connected to the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't just go out there and dump. I think we said that before, um, always pointing back to the hope that we have in Christ. And that's that light you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'll share a crack example. I mean, (laughs) this is, uh, you know, I've shared before my struggle with anger and I've shared the fact that I am no longer that angry mom. And I just praise God for that. I praise God that he he took that from me entirely. And yet I'm still human and I'm, I still struggle in my flesh. And the other day I just had a horrible moment with my youngest daughter. She, she was wrestling with a few fears and insecurities. Her older sister had invited her to go uh, join her on a babysitting opportunity, was going to get paid for it. And, you know, Caitlin had excuse after excuse why she didn't want to go. And she kind of gets herself in like a little tizzy where it's not just, well, mom, I'm not, I just don't really want to do that. It's, it's, well, mommy, I just don't, I don't really know. We can relate to that as women, right? Yeah. (laughs) Well, you would think I could relate to that because I act that way. But in that moment, I could feel my tension like rising and I could almost... Sometimes the Holy Spirit sounds a lot like my husband. I could almost hear him saying, like, relax, take a deep breath, be gentle. And what came out of my mouth was, I know I'm not being very patient with you right now, but what is your problem? (laughs) So, you know, I'm trying so hard to be loving and gracious to her. But what is coming out of my mouth is the opposite of that. So we... We, you know, continue to move in the direction of me driving her into this babysitting gig. And she's still like fussing and whining, complaining. And she, her excuses aren't making any sense to me. And I'm not being a patient mom trying to figure out what's the real heart issue here. I'm just feeling inconvenienced by her emotion, to be quite honest. 
And there's no good reason for that. That's just how I was in that moment. And, and then it got worse because <laughs> she said one more thing. And I was just, I don't even know, but I know I yelled mm. and I know I was unkind. And I was like, oh my word, we get in the car. And here's the funny thing. So we're, we're getting to go in the car and my teenage daughter is going to drive. And, and Katie was already in the car. And I look at Abby and I'm like, you need to be patient with her. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> the, the, hypocrisy, the hypocrisy of me to be able to say to her, you need to be patient with her. And then as those words came out of my mouth, I thought, and you, mm. which was really the Holy Spirit saying, and you like the way you're being patient with her. Mm. We get in the car, Abby starts driving and Caitlin says, mom, I'm so sorry. I don't know what's wrong with me. Mm. And I said, I'm so sorry. I don't know what's wrong with me. Like it was messy. Mm. And, and fortunately by God's grace, he has made us a family who has learned how to apologize quickly. Awesome. Uh, yeah, because, and isn't that both the crack and the light? Yep. Beautiful. Right? There are my cracks. Boom. Right there. But Jesus is right there too. At work in that point of tension. And, you know, Paul describes it so well in Romans. He says, I do not do what I want to do. And what I do not want to do, I do. And so he felt that struggle in his flesh. And he is the same guy who said in, in 2 Corinthians, I think it's 2 Corinthians, um, God's power is made perfect in my weakness. And so his grace is sufficient. And I can tell you that that car ride became a place of grace, mm. not the hot mess it would have been 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. Be- yeah. Yeah. And it actually became pretty insightful. I mean, it came down to, um, uh, Caitlin actually said, mom, sometimes I think I don't appreciate the value of earning a few dollars because you have provided me with everything I need. Mm. Wisdom in that. A lot of wisdom in that. Right. And I said, yeah, I sort of feel that way too at times. And I think my anger is kind of the laziness of your, of your, behavior like why wouldn't you take this opportunity your sister's offering to pay you half of the share of what she's earning how could you say no to this Mm -hmm. but then also embedded in me is a um i i can be bent towards workaholism i can be bent towards the idolatry of providing for myself and i i can and so i said to caitlin i said you know how you get frustrated with me when I don't stop working to spend time with you, even if it's just watching Heartland. And I say to you, like, I just need to do one more thing. And that just irritates you. You get a little edgy. She goes, yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, that's kind of how I was feeling about you not wanting to take on this work mm-hmm. thing. And if you look, this is the benefit of doing personality style assessments with your kids, is that if you look at our personality style we're opposites Mm -hmm. she is she knows how to have a good time she knows how to be social she knows how to be easy easy come easy go and I'm the driven perfectionist wanting to get things done and so isn't it beautiful that God put us in the same family to balance each other out and to teach each other more about who Jesus is and why we need him 
Yes, I love that. It's powerful. It, it's so interesting how he does. Even in that, you're you're pointing right back to it. He uses our cracks, our brokenness, each other's mm-hmm. cracks and brokenness to show us how much we need him. And yeah. he's there to meet yeah. that. Well, I think maybe yeah. that's a good place. We have a couple challenge questions we want to ask you if you're listening today. And, um, you know, maybe some of this rang true and is very familiar to the way that you operate. And maybe you're thinking, oh, I've got some other stuff that I need to go to the Lord and address. So first question we want to ask is, are you struggling with spiritual blindness? You know, are there areas where maybe you're not walking out the truth of God's word because you just haven't read it? Second question is, does it have something to do with a hardened heart? And that's something that we have mentioned before, um, that God's still working on in me. And I'm, I bet he is in you too. Is there something, um, a block, an area in your heart where you know you're kind of just saying to the Lord, mm, don't go there with me. Um, <laughs> strong arming the Lord never works. <laughs> I'm learning that. Mm-hmm. And what would it take to get a soft heart? Um, Ezekiel 36, 26 and Luke 6, 45 are both passages that um, really speak to this. Go go flip open your Bible and take a look. Um, what the word has to do with it. What does God's word have to say to those issues in your own heart? So ask him, ask him to reveal that to you, to open it up and to change you because he will. That's a great segue because in our next part, I want to come back and pick up at verse seven, which talks about the heart. Awesome. So that's really good. Well, shall I close us in prayer and then we'll pick up. (laughs) Lord Jesus, thank you for this time that you've given us. Thank you for the journey of faith and that you who began a good work in us will bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. That that journey uh, looks like choosing to believe in you, Lord Jesus, as as our Savior. And then continue to walk in your ways and allow your light to shine in our hearts to bring forth light in the darkness. God, help us to be vessels that are willing to have you dwell deep inside. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the More to Be podcast. We're praying you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and His Word during our time together today. Be sure to visit moretobe.com slash podcast for show notes and free downloadable resources. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in his work every day.